Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 517 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam joined by Jill. Jill, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. I think this is the earliest we've ever recorded ever. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Probably. Yeah, we're doing it. At least since we were in the office. I feel like in the office, we probably would on more than one occasion, but. I don't know, because I feel like, I feel like we're both very good at respecting the office uh, decorum of being like don't ask someone to do something right away when they're when days true start. <laughs> true I, mean, I feel like I, the only times we probably did record this early was on a thursday when we forgot to do it before thursday <laughs> and so we had to record it and get it out as soon as possible joe we would never do that never everything is planned in advance i don't know what you're talking about we have a content calendar all the way into 2022 There's two things that we have scheduled in advance right now. Some interviews, and as of yesterday, one lovely sponsor who's doing some sponsorships throughout the entire year. Those are the only two things. That's have our monthly book picks like this. That's true. We do have it. That is very true. Yeah. So we are doing our monthly book picks. This is for February. One of my dogs says hello, everybody, in the background. Um, Do you want to tell everyone how we do our monthly picks? Yeah, so every month, at the end of every month, we go through and look at the books coming out uh, in the upcoming month. So today we're doing February. Um, We do not tell each other our book picks in advance. Um, I feel pretty good. There were definitely some I did not put on my list because I had a feeling you had them. Uh, We'll see, though. And we just go back and forth. Um, all of the titles will be linked in the show notes. So you don't have to like hurry and rush to try and uh, write everything down. Yes. Um, I will also say there's something else. We don't really talk about this much, but if people have never gone to overdrive.com, like if you're already using Libby or the Overdrive app, there's really no reason that you would have to. But if you're ever looking for book recommendations or like collections, I build out all of the collections that Jill and I talk about, but also just like in general, there's a whole bunch of different collections. So if you go to overdrive.com there, there's a button at the top that says browse collections and you can find our monthly book picks there. And for the first time ever in a uh, thing I should have been doing a long, long time ago, we're keeping every single list up. So you can always go back and listen to, for example, Jill and I talk about our January books, or if you just go to overdrive.com, you can see our January picks on the explore collections page there. So you'll be able to see the February ones that we're going to talk about right now. Uh, and then there's also the, the January ones is a bunch of, and a whole bunch of other collections too. So I feel like that's something I should mention every once in a while. Um, I also feel pretty good. I definitely have one that I was like, but it was several pages into the thing that you and I both use. And it was like, wow. this is a Jill book. 
It's 100% a Jill book, but I'm putting it on my list in case maybe she had gotten however many she wanted before that. That's possible. Um, but I will say my reading has like shifted so much already this year from what I would normally pick that I, I don't know. I don't know how many Adam books I have. But oh, great. We'll, we'll see. It's okay. I think we're, I think we're in a good place. Um, how many books do you have? I think I have seven. Okay. I got aggressive. I have like a left. <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. Um, yeah. That's to be okay. fair, I, I didn't like, I stopped probably a little early because I was like, oh, I've been, it's the end of the day and I have other things I need to do. And then because we're recording this early. Yeah. See, I did the opposite this morning. I got up and I was putting the collection together and it was one of these things where like, I knew I had a stopping point because we were going to start recording at nine and I was just kind of looking at books until nine and I was like, fair. oh, I have a lot. Um, all right. Well, I'll start then. I have a couple <laughs> of authors who are going to be on the podcast, so I, but I really love their books and I want to mention them. So the first one, I'll be really quick because they're going to be on the episode for Monday. Um, there is a book coming out that is getting a ton of attention and I think we might have mentioned it, but it's called 400 Souls. And it is a community history of African America from 1619 through 2019. Uh, it is literally written by I think 80 different authors but it's edited by Dr. Reba Max Kendi and Dr. Keisha N. Blaine. Uh, Dr. Blaine will be on the podcast on Monday. I'm doing an interview with her um, tomorrow. Days are weird um, but Dr. Blaine is the author of Set the World on Fire and Dr. Kendi is the author of a million things um, most notably How to Be an Anti-Racist I suppose is the one that's getting a whole bunch of attention now. Uh, but what they do with this book is they got, like I said, I think it's 80 different African-American authors to each write um, a five, uh, an essay about a five-year point in time during 1619 and 2019. And so it is, uh, it does go kind of in order from as a timeline, but it's just small snippets about something during that time. So um like you may be familiar with Bacon's Rebellion, but you might not be familiar with how it was a big issue. It wasn't just a class thing. It's just, there's, there's lots of these like little tiny snippets of historical things. that even if you're aware of something happening during that time, you might not be aware of this specific instance. So um, I, the book is phenomenal. And we both got an email yesterday about the audiobook having like 78 or 79 different um, different audiobook or sorry, different narrators. And uh, it's just a really important book. It's really, really impactful. And it was extremely educational and just wonderfully well-written. So I'm excited about that. So that's 400 Souls. Um, and again, Dr. Keisha Blaine, who was one of the two editors will be on uh, on Monday's episode. Um, my first one is probably not a surprise to anyone who listened to Monday's podcast. And it is The Project by Courtney Summers. Y'all, okay. Honest, when I first interviewed Courtney, I had only read half the project because of time, um, but I finished it and it is, I would have recommended it to you anyway, because it's even the first half is delightful, but it is so good. Um, so yeah. So you, if you already listened to the episode with my interview with her, apologies, I'm going to go over again what happens, but this is about two sisters, Lo and B. Um, B is, has, you know, been in uh she's in a cult 
um, known as the Unity Project, and has not spoken to Lowe in a very long time. She sort of cut Lowe off. And Lowe works for um, kind of a flashy investigative journalist magazine. She wants to be a journalist, but she works as, as an admin assistant. And she sees this as an opportunity to do research on the Unity Project and kind of expose them and bring them down while also finding her sister. And things do not quite turn out the way she had planned, um, especially when she meets the very charismatic leader, Lev Warren. Um, it was so good. I loved this book. Loved it. I love talking to Courtney. Um, I highly recommend it. So yeah, that's the project. And definitely, if you haven't listened to Jill and Courtney's episode, I something that we don't ever really talk about, but I very much enjoy. Um, if I'm not on an episode, I really enjoy listening to it's like, oh, a friend of mine and a podcast I really enjoy. Jill is interviewing someone who I love. So it was really, really fun to hear you guys talk about cults. And um, it was also, again, it was like more so confirmed where I was like, I shouldn't be a part of this episode. And then listening to you too, I was like, yep, this was, I would have only gotten in the way. It was so delightful. Courtney and I are like social BFFs now. <laughs> we just like started following each other because we're both like, you were delightful to talk to. <laughs> oh, that remains actually my favorite uh, thing that happens with this podcast. Speaking of, uh, the next book that I want to talk about is the new book by Sarah Gailey called The Echo Wife. Uh, I haven't read this yet. I know very little about it, but I don't care because anything that they write, I am going to read for eternity. Uh, Sarah was on the podcast two years ago uh, when they and I discussed Magic for Liars. Uh, they also released Upright Women Wanted last year, which was a short story that was just delightful. Um, the Echo Wife is a science fiction thriller where uh, it's told in the future and there is this, <laughs> there is a woman named Evelyn who is an award-winning researcher and has a clone made of her named Maritine or Martine. <laughs> and then Evelyn's husband cheats on her with her clone and um it just kind of goes from there again i know very little about this i heard mallory and brianne reading glass talk about how much they loved it they both uh have already read it but anything sarah gailey writes i am going to forever read and uh, they are someone who much like you and courtney uh, we follow each other on social media now and all of their non-book related content is so up my alley like making a slow cooked red onion gravy and going into elaborate detail about it just to very much enjoy everything that they do. So the echo wife by Sarah Gailey, um, it's an extremely buzzy book, but again, anything they write, I'm all about. What's I'm very excited one? for that one. Mm -hmm. My next one is the burning girls by CJ Tudor. Uh, this description. Uh, okay. So a dark history lingers in chapel croft. 500 years ago, Protestant martyrs were betrayed and burned. 30 years ago, two teenage girls disappeared without a trace. And a few weeks ago, the vicar of the local parish hanged himself in the nave of the church. Reverend Jack Brooks, a single parent with a 14-year-old daughter and a heavy conscience, arrives in the village hoping for a fresh start. Instead, Jack found, finds a town rife with conspiracies and secrets and is greeted with a strange welcome package an exorcism kit, 
and note that warns, but there is nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. The more Jack and daughter Flo explore the town and get to know its strange denizens, the deeper they are drawn into the age-old rifts, mysteries, and suspicions. And when Flo begins to see specters of girls ablaze, it becomes apparent there are ghosts here that refuse to be laid to rest. Uncovering the truth can be deadly in a village with a bloody past where everyone has something to hide and no one trusts an outsider. Oh my god. That sounds fabulous. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? I know. I'm very excited about this one. That sounds so sick. What was was the name of that one again? The Burning Girls. Uh, Yeah, I I saw that and I was like, "Mm, I think it feels pretty safe that Jill's going to put this on. (laughs) Uh, My next one is The Removed by Brandon Hobson. Um, this, I, it's just, it's a, it's a spooky book. I, I had to get, I think I have two or three spooky books on here. So I got to get them all throughout the year. Um, this is a book that is steeped in Cherokee myth and history, which I am very, very excited about. Brandon Hobson is a, a national book award finalist. Basically what happens is there is a family, the Akata family, and they are in kind of a perpetual state of grief because 15 years prior, their teenage son, whose name is Ray Ray was killed in a police shooting. Um, and so how, what the book does is shows each of the people in the family's various struggles. So Maria is the mother and um, they are struggling to manage their husband Ernest's onset Alzheimer's. Um, they have an adult daughter, Sonia, who is very, very, uh, leads a very solid, like a, a life of solitude and um, kind of finds themselves in obsessive romantic relationships here and there. And then there's Edgar, who is their son, who um, turned to drugs to kind of deal with everything. And so what ends up happening is there's this family tradition of having a bonfire and it's approaching. And it's uh, a Cherokee national holiday. And it also falls on the same day as Ray Ray's death. And so they have this rare moment where they all openly talk about Ray Ray and they attempt to kind of get back together. But as they are coming together, there is all of the family drama that they have never really brought up before and also all their individual things that they're dealing with. So um, it's very, very creepy, very, very emotional. Um, and it deals obviously with family and grief, but there's also a lot of like darkness and, and stuff. So it's just, it's such a fabulous book. And I, I know that this is going to be a, a big one as well. So um, that is The Removed by Brandon Hobson. My next one is Honey Girl by Morgan Rogers. This is also getting a lot of buzz and I love the cover and it sounds so good and I'm very excited. So this is about Grace. Uh, she has just recently completed her PhD in astronomy and she decides to go to Vegas uh, with her friends to celebrate. This is very much outside uh, how she usually works. She's a straight A work through the summer certified high achiever. She's not the type of person who goes to Vegas and drunkenly marries a woman whose name she doesn't know until she does exactly that thing. So this one moment of departure from her stern ex-military father's plans for her life has Grace wondering why she doesn't feel more fulfilled from completing her degree. Staggering under the weight of her parents' expectations, a struggling job market, and feelings of burnout, Grace flees her home in Portland for a summer in New York with a wife she barely knows. 
In New York, she's able to ignore all the constant questions about her future plans and falls hard for her creative and beautiful wife, Yuki. But when reality comes crashing in, Grace must face what she's been running from all along. The fears that make us human, the family scars that need to heal, and the longing for connection, especially when navigating the messiness of adulthood. That just sounds so good. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so that's Honey Girl. Nice. Um, my next one is The Witch's Heart by Genevieve Gornishek. Uh, Genevieve is also going to be on the podcast a little bit later in the month, but the book comes out uh, on the 9th. So the book comes out earlier than she'll be on a few weeks later. This is like, honestly, the best way I can describe it is a Norse mythological version of Circe. We talk all the time about Circe from Mad- by Madeline Miller. Um, and this is a very, I don't want to call it similar, but it's similar in the sense that it is all about a witch who is kind of living by themselves and uh, creates their own family. So there is this little known character in Norse mythology named Angerboda. And they are a witch who you like, they're the mother of some very, very famous uh, monsters in Norse mythology, but they really only get these like small little snippets of story, uh, like literally like a sentence here and there. And that's it. Um, Genevieve studied Norse mythology in college and they also um are like a part of a viking reenactment group we get into all of this during our conversation it was a lot of fun she's also um in cleveland which is hilarious to be doing a zoom with an author who has uh lived 15 minutes from where i am sitting um but such is life but it's the story of angerboda and um her relationship with loki and how they uh they create three different children and they're all wildly different um And it's just her story that kind of takes place alongside of the Norse mythology. So you don't really get all of any like big stories about Odin and, you know, like the things that you might recognize in Norse mythology, like Thor and all this stuff. But you do get this really wonderful relationship with Angerboda and Loki and just her specific story. So really, really cool, really fun. And again, if you're a fan of Circe by Madeline Miller, I think you're really, really going to love The Witch's Heart by Genevieve Gordashek. My next one is Girl A by Abigail Dean. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. This was one, this is one <laughs> of the two that I was like, if one of us, if both of us don't have it, I'll be shocked. Okay. So this is about Lexi. And Lexi uh, does not want to think about her family. She doesn't want to think about growing up in her parents' house of horrors. And she doesn't want to think about her identity as girl A, the girl who escaped, the eldest sister who freed her older brother and four younger siblings. It's been easy to avoid her parents. Her father never made it out of the house of horrors he created, and her mother spent the rest of her life behind bars. But when her mother dies in prison and leaves Lex and her siblings the family home, she can't run from her past any longer. Together with her sister Evie, Lex intends to turn the home into a force for good. But first she must come to terms with her siblings and with the childhood they share. So this this is like one of those things where, I, I mean, you have siblings, so you probably have different memories than your siblings yeah of the exact same Mm -hmm. incident like you have very like vastly different memories of what happened and so that sounds like what happens with this is that Mm -hmm. these siblings who uh escaped this horrible childhood um return to their family home 
and are sort of like sifting through what happened on this like of like this big thing that happened to their family and everyone has a slightly different mm-hmm. understanding of what happened <laughs> which is a problem when you're dealing with things like you know like abuse and all sorts of this tale of like escape and survival and i'm very excited for this one i yeah when i saw this i think we actually I was a little bummed because I think we got an email like months and months ago about having the author on. And it was just one of those where like, we get so many of these emails, like we didn't really see the ball. And I get just the, when I saw the title, I was like, I think we got several emails about this. And um, I was a little bummed out. I was like, mm, apparently I should have read that one more closely because goodness gracious, does this sound amazing? Um, okay. My next one is called Four Lost Cities by Annalie Newitz. Annalie Newitz was on the podcast a while back. Uh, and she wrote a book called, or they wrote a book called Autonomous, excuse me. And Annalie Newitz is well known as, I think, I think they helped create io9.com. And then um, they also went on to a different website um, that does um, kind of scientific journalism. And uh, it's, it, they are just wildly intelligent, super incredible human. And this book is nonfiction. It tells the story of a secret history of literally four cities that, you know, kind of disappeared for one reason or another. So Annalie, back when we were all on to go places, uh, traveled to these four different ancient cities that were centers of sophisticated civilization. So there was a Neolithic site in central Turkey. Um, there was Pompeii in Italy. Um, a medieval megacity of Angkor in Cambodia. And then also there was an indigenous metropolis on uh, what is now East St. Louis on the Mississippi River. And they traveled all four of the sites and investigate using all this different cutting edge research that exists in archaeology now. What was going on in those places? What doomed these settlements? And then tracing like the early development of urban planning and all this really interesting stuff. And then also sheds light on these anonymous workers in those different times, whether they were slaves, immigrants, women, manual laborers, whatever it is, who helped build these incredible cities and create monuments that lasted millennia. It's just so interesting to think of like four different cities that is the equivalent of like San Francisco or New York City nowadays in like 500 years just not existing and it being entirely gone and not really knowing what happened to it. So so excited about this. Um, this feels so, like something you would see a long form on and get really excited about on like Vice or something. So I'm, I can't wait to read this. So it's Four Lost Cities by Annalie Newitz. My next one is The Sanatorium by Sarah Pierce. Okay, well, we're on fire. Uh, so maybe there's three that we have in oh, common. Okay, this is the one I guess would have been the one. Okay. Uh, so... Oh God, you guys, this sounds so good. All right. So half hidden by forest and overshadowed by threatening peaks, La Somme has always been a sinister place. Long plagued by troubling rumors, the former abandoned sanatorium has since been renovated into a five-star minimalist hotel. Okay. First off. <laughs> Thank you. Already wild. Wild. That said, have you seen that Lizzie Borden's house is for sale? It is also a and b what? Yes, you can buy Lizzie Borden's home for like $2 million, I think, in Massachusetts. It operates as a museum and a bed and breakfast. Anyway. All right. So, well, you buried the lead without the $2 sorry, million. Sorry. Uh, 
All right, back to the book. <laughs> so yeah, Sanatorium is now a five-star minimalist hotel. It's an imposing, isolated get- getaway spot high up in the Swiss Alps. Oh, man. And it's the last place Ellen Warren wants to be. But Ellen take- has taken time off from her job as a detective. So when her estranged brother Isaac and his fiance Laura invite her to celebrate their engagement at the hotel, Ellen has really has no reason not to accept. Arriving in the midst of a threatening storm. Okay. Obviously. <laughs> Like there's just, it just like keeps building. It's great. Mm-hmm. We're in the Alps. There's a storm. <laughs> uh, she arrives in the middle of a storm. She immediately feels on edge. Why would you not? Why you- <laughs> uh, there's something about the hotel that makes her nervous. And when they wake the following morning to discover Laura is missing, Ellen must trust her instincts if they hope to find her. Uh, with the storm closing off, all access to the hotel, the longer Lore stays missing, the more the remaining guests start to panic. Ellen is under the pressure to find Lore, but no one has realized yet that another woman has gone missing, and she's the only one who could have warned them just how much danger they're all in. So, people don't Also, the cover to... is fantastic. It is, like, a really good cover. Yeah. It's, like, it gives me, like, shining vibes, right? Like, it, it, it gives that, like, feeling of the Overlook Hotel, like, mm-hmm. up in the mountains uh oh i'm so excited for this one so i have a few thoughts to share so so people will never never know this because we don't like put our podcast on youtube or anything but like when one of us is describing a book that the other one is very interested in we do this like we both do the same this like silent like head nod and agreement like yeah that does sound really really good like i've noticed it like we both do it and I, I also know that I do that when I'm just reading descriptions of a book. Like I feel myself being like, yeah, that does sound good. This one, it was almost like I was like fist bumping with every sentence. I was like, yeah, also that, also that, that sounds amazing. Um, also, we don't ever talk negatively about books very frequently on here, but I will say, because it got plenty of attention and it doesn't need me to promote it, but there was a book that came out last year called The Guest List, which really disappointed me. And a bunch of people loved it and it was like on best i think it, i think it won a goodreads award so clearly i'm in the minority i just hate i just hated it this feels like an incredible version of it's like a redo or it's like no 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 this is this is the good one of that so again not to like dunk on the guest list but i just didn't like it and this sounds oof. you know what that's actually something i wondered about like we we don't really talk negatively about books i mean mm-hmm. except for that one time i sort of railed on ready player two i'm curious though if our listeners like would want us to i mean you know i think it's okay you can say mm-hmm. a book wasn't for you without yeah. being like it was a terrible book like those are two very different things you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm just be curious if we were to be like you know what this book really wasn't for me and i didn't like it yeah actually yeah send us messages either on twitter instagram at pro book nerds or shoot us an email professionalbooknerds.overdrive.com if you would like us to explain if books aren't for us because there's so many books that we don't talk about that like i have given up halfway through or just like realize i'm like ugh. um but we tend to not talk about those just because at our core as our ceo likes to say we we are a bookseller company right you know, it's like but yeah I, like i said the guest list i don't feel bad being like that wasn't for me because it literally like tens of thousands of copies were sold so yeah, I didn't. Worry. I couldn't get into that one either. I think <sighs> I I asked you about who the ending. Uh huh. Yeah, I read it. Did not like it. I think you got like two chapters in, and you were like, "I think I hate this main character." I was like, "Yeah, you're gonna keep doing." I that. didn't. It wasn't even. I just was like, "I'm really not feeling this book at all." Yeah. yeah. 
anyway, the sanatorium sounds like a, a bit, that's a, not a positive. That sounds like a lovely version of it. Um, my next one is This Close to Okay by Lisa Cross Smith. This sounds like it's going to shatter me and make me cry, but I don't care because I love a book like that. And also it got blurred by Roxanne Gay, uh, which is lovely. Um, Roxanne calls this a cathartic novel about a life-changing weekend. Uh, so what happens? I haven't read this one yet, but I'm very excited to. Um, there is a rainy October night in Kentucky and there is this therapist who recently got divorced. Her name is Tally. And Tally is on her way home and she spots a man standing on the edge of a bridge considering suicide. Uh, without a second thought, Tally gets out of her car, runs over and convinces the man, like, just come have a cup of coffee with me. And he agrees to come back to her house and sit and talk with her. Um, his name is Emmett. And over the course of a weekend, Tally kind of makes it her mission to provide a safe and comfortable space for Emmett, uh, but doesn't tell Emmett that she's a therapist. And it turns out obviously that Emmett isn't the only one who needs help and they both have secrets. And so it goes back and forth between their perspectives as they kind of inch closer to what Emmett was doing on the bridge and what it means for both of them. Um, it reminds, it has vibes to me, it seems like of a book called Memorial by Brian Washington that I read at the end of last year that I just adored. Um, I'm really, really excited about it. Again, it sounds pretty emotional, but I am really, really excited for it. And the cover is beautiful. Um, so that's This Close to Okay by Lisa, uh, Lisa Cross Smith. Next one is Kink, uh, which is edited by R.L. Kwan. This is a anthology of literary fiction featuring yes, the authors in this collection. Uh, there's R.L. Kwan, who has been on the podcast as a delight. Um, Roxanne Gay, Alexander Chi, Carmen Maria Machado. It just, it's, it is an incredible Ridiculous. lineup. And this is a collection of stories that sort of examine the world of desire, specifically through different sexual kinks. Um, the stories explore bondage, power play, submissive dominant relationships, all of it. And I remember I follow, I'm, I think you follow R.O. Kwan on Twitter as well. And oh yeah, um, seeing sort of R.O. talk about this book and in like the lead up to it, I, I'm very excited. Again, this lineup is phenomenal. Um, and I think it's just sort of, you know, touching on one of those areas of our lives and people's lives that don't really get talked about outside of like 50 shades which is not a great example so yeah that is that is kink and it's edited by rl kwan and if you hadn't been listening to our podcast back in 2018 ro was on episode 254 i like this up specifically thank because, you <laughs> yep, their book um the incendiaries was Oh, it was so good. It was all about um, escaping religion and cults and all sorts of just fantastic stuff. And also she at the time was a firm believer in spine in bookshelves, which I believe yes. we got into a whole thing about. Um, but they are just phenomenal. Okay, my next one is called Fake Accounts by Lauren Euler. Uh, holy shit, does this sound wild. Um, also, bl this blurb by Zadie Smith, this novel made me want to retire from contemporary reality. I loved it. <laughs> so 
On the eve of Donald Trump's inauguration, a young woman snoops through her boyfriend's phone and makes a startling discovery. He's an anonymous internet conspiracy theorist and a popular one at that. Already fluent in internet fakery, irony, and outrage, she's not exactly shocked by the revelation. Actually, she's relieved. She was, uh, he was always extremely distant, and she plots to end their floundering relationship on a trip to the Women's March in D.C., but this is only the first in a series of bizarre twists that expose a world whose truths are all shaped by online lies. Suddenly, left with no reason to stay in New York and increasingly alienated from her friends and colleagues, our unnamed narrator flees to Berlin, embarking on her own cycles of manipulation and deceptive spaces of her daily life, from dating apps to expat meetups, uh, open plan offices, and bureaucratic waiting rooms. She begins to think she can't trust anyone. Shouldn't the feeling be mutual? Uh, I am so excited about this. It just sounds wild. And yeah, uh, Fake Accounts by Lauren Euler. I am. I can already feel like that's going to be one of my favorite books of the year, and I haven't read it yet. So, um, this is my last book. So, if this is not the one you thought I would put on my list, I'm a we'll little see. nervous. So, my last one is Possession by Katie Lowe. No, okay, All I right. can't wait to read the the book to you. Surprise, that... surprise. I, I, there's. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, so this is Possession by Katie Lowe. So 10 years ago, Hannah's husband was brutally murdered in their home and she conveniently, that is emphasized in the description, she conveniently doesn't remember a thing about that night. But the police charged someone else, a stranger, and put him away for life. And Hannah packed up her six-year-old daughter and left London behind. But now her hard-won countryside peace is threatened. Conviction, a viral true crime podcast known for getting cases reopened and old verdicts overturned, has turned its attention to Hannah's husband's murder for its new season. That's great. So this is like serial. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they say police framed the man who was found guilty and that Hannah has more suspicious secrets than just her memory loss. History of volatility, citations at the clinic where she worked as a psychiatrist, dependencies on alcohol and pills, a familiacidal grandmother locked away in a gothic insane asylum until her death. (laughs) Oh my God. These are all Hannah's secrets, apparently, according to, yeah, the, the podcast. As Hannah loses the trust of everyone she loves, the only person she feels she can confide in is a former colleague, Darcy, who's come back into her life, but who may have motives of her own. But Hannah can't even tell Darcy her deepest secret, that she's tormented by the memory of her husband and the crater he carved throughout her life. Y'all, this sounds so good. I'm so excited for this one. Yeah, it also has a very, it has like a really fantastic cover as well. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like a black and white photo, kind of like tinted black and white photo of a woman, half her face, the eyes are covered, but her lips are very bright red. Oh, it's so good. So Mm. Okay, I have two left. This one I was sure was going to be on your list. It's called Good Neighbors by Sarah Langan. Did you see this? I think I saw it and didn't read the description. Apparently that was a mistake. All right, so Celeste Ng's enthralling dissection of suburbia meets Shirley Jackson's creeping dread in this propulsive literary noir when a sudden tragedy exposes the depths of deception and damage in a Long Island suburb. So uh, there is a place called Maple Street and it's a perfect slice of suburban Long Island. It's residents bound by their children, their work, their illusions of safety in a rapidly changing world. 
uh, but menace skulks beneath the surface of this exclusive enclave, making its residents prone to outrage. When the Wild family moves in, they trigger their neighbors' worst fears. Dad Arlo's a gruff has-been rock star with track marks. Mom Gertie uh, has a thick Brooklyn accent with high heels and tube tops to match, and their weird kids cuss like sailors. They don't fit with the way Maple Street sees itself, though Maple Street's queen bee, Rhea Schroeder, a lonely college professor repressing a dark past, welcomed Gertie and her family at first. Relations went south during one spritzer-fueled summer evening when the new best friends shared too much too soon. By the time our story actually opens, the wilds are outcasts. The tensions mount, a sinkhole opens in a nearby park, and Rhea's daughter Shelly falls inside. The search for Shelly brings a shocking accusation against the wilds. Suddenly, it's one mom's word against the other in a court of public opinion that can only end in blood. This feels yeah. like a Joe book. <laughs> I yeah, I just did not look at it. Okay, that makes you feel better. Um, all right, Good Neighbors by Sarah Langan, and then my last one. Um, has big Agatha Christie vibes for me. The House on Vesper Sands by Porrick O'Donnell. And I apologize if I'm saying that name incorrectly, but it it was Irish and I I looked it up and I think it's Porrick. Um, So this is set in London in 1893. There is high up in a house on a dark snowy night, a lone seamstress stands by a window. So begins the swirling serpentine world of this Victorian inspired mystery. The story of a city cloaked in shadow, but bringing with questions, why does the seamstress jump from the window? Why is a cryptic message stitched into her skin? And how is she, how is she connected to a rash of missing girls, all of whom have disappeared under similar circumstances? So we have our detective inspector cutter, which is I think our Hercule Poirot type of a character. And um, he's sharp and committed to his work. Um, but he's also very, very funny. And then we have Gideon Bliss, who's a Cambridge dropout in love with one of the missing girls uh, who becomes Cutter's sidekick. And together they go along with a journalist named Octavia to try to figure out what's happening. And all of them are led to this house called Vesper Sands. And they have to figure out what happens from there. So again, feels like a very traditional spooky house. Murders are happening. We're not sure what's going on. Um, like I said, very Agatha Christie-esque. That's the house on Vesper Sands. And that is my last one. All right. Good month. I Yeah. I just, I feel like this always happens at the beginning of the year where like the first like four or five months of the year, I'm, I like forget because the end of the year is so slow with new releases. Like, like literally the first half of a new year, I'm like, wow, a lot of new books coming out this month. And it's like, that's more standard than yeah. what December yeah. is um okay those are all the things uh next week kicks off a book club that overdrive runs called together we read um it is the united states version so anyone who is listening who is in the united states which i know is most of our listeners uh, if you go to libby um and look at your library you will see or you can go to togetherweread.com you will see a book club very similar to our big library read um, and you'll be able to borrow a book without any wait lists or holds. And Thursday's episode is an interview Jill did with the author, right? Is that what we decided? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, togetherweread.com. You can join the discussion board and be sure to listen to Jill's interview on Thursday. Um, I think that's the only like other thing going on that people should know about related to us. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. Those are our February picks. Again, like Jill said, um, 
shoot us an email or send us a message on social media if you want to hear us talk about books that we don't always love um and we've got a whole bunch of fun future episodes from your recommendations and we'll do some more professional book nerds reading challenge stuff in the coming weeks and months um but that is our february books episode so i hope you guys like this episode of the professional book nerds podcast readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in marketplace professional book nerds is proud to be an evergreen podcast signature program to learn about other evergreen podcasts visit evergreenpodcasts.com our podcast is produced recorded and edited by adam sokol and jill grunewald and presented by overdrive for more information visit professionalbooknerds.com waiting on a tax return hopefully it ends up in your hands Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.